All right, kids, you guys can get ready to go, but hold on for one second before you go. I got something special for you. Man, why does my thing never work? There it goes. Oh. Pray for it. Let's pray right now. Elders, I need hands laid on this lovely bubble gun. Oh, I know you're going to work. Who knows how to work? Oh, there it goes. There it goes. <laughs> Man, it is so much work to get this thing to go. Last week, we began a teaching series on Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes famously begins in chapter 1, verse 1, saying that everything is, what's the word? Meaningless. And the word meaningless is the word havel, and what it means is vapor. It means temporary. It means this is all you get. This is the time we have this is the time we have under the sun. And that time, even though it's temporary, doesn't mean that it's unimportant, though. Today, we're going to continue our teaching series out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And as a special request, straight from Scripture, we have a special song for you today. Straight out. I bet you didn't know you knew a song from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, but you do. Go ahead, guys. Let's hit it. Sing along if you know it.
Praise God. Woo! And now, it's time for a message. Yeah. All right, can we give it up for him one more time? Special request. You guys like that song? Did you know that you knew a song out of Ecclesiastes? All right, who's the artist? Who sang it? Who knows? The birds. But what year? Before I was 1965. 1965, the birds, 1965. I'm sure all of our teenagers have this song on their iTunes playlist. Um, All right, uh, kids, you guys can go and roll out with uh, Mr. David. Uh, You can thank me later. You're going to be singing the Turn, Turn, Turn song the whole rest of the day, because once it goes in, it never comes out. So, uh, Ecclesiastes, remember this is a book from the master teacher. It's a book about uh, meaningless, and he's going to use this word meaningless, this word vapor. It's, it's, it's all meaningless. He's going to fall into this phrase again and again and again, more than 40 times in 12 chapters. The master teacher wants to look at life, but to do that, he wants to unsettle you, to dislodge you. Some of you even came to me this week, said, man, I've been really looking for some solid ground to stand on. And I said, ha, good luck. There's not any. Remember, the master teacher's goal is not to affirm or encourage or, or somehow enhance what you already believe to be true, but to take that thing that you believe to be true and pull you out, draw you out, help you see it from a different perspective, to see things from a different angle. And to do that, you are going to be unsettled. So enjoy it. It's all meaningless anyway, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I swear it's not too late. In these eight verses, the master teacher wants to to capture the the totality of life in a uh, marismas in a, in a series of opposites, 14 pairs uh, that, that represent to- total extremes, polar extremes. Uh, uh, and, and he's emphasizing extremes, the, the polar extremes, so that you would consider everything that happens between them. And again, there's an unsettling uh, part of this that happens in Ecclesiastes because he simply gives us a description of some of the things that happen in this space. He doesn't offer any kind of prescription. He just says, these are the kind of things that happen. In this time, there is a time to kill and heal, tear down and build, laugh, dance, cry, grieve. Time for wars. There's time for peace, love and hate. Time to search and a, and a time to stop searching. And really, I think the key to understanding this, if you can, if, if we can apply even those kind of terms to this, is in those first two verses. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under the heaven, under the heavens, 
or under the sun. There's a time to be born and a time to die. He's talking about, remember, if you remember last week, this space in time between when you are born and when you die. And, and really, he's offering us a very broad description, commentary of what happens between the moment of your first breath and the moment of your last breath. That is the amount of time you have under the sun. Are you with me? He's talking about the created world, the world that exists in time. And he's going to spend a lot of time talking about this world so that we will eventually see the world that exists outside of time. See the one who is uncreated. So in verses 9 and 10, if you read a little bit further, he goes on to say, uh, not, not sarcastically maybe, what do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Hmm. There's a disturbing thing about um, this, this time we have under the sun. Uh, if we really start to think about this time from our first breath, in, between our first breath and our last breath, uh, it's, it can be disturbing in a couple of ways. The first way is um, uh, it is almost like a, a musical chairs. Um, all the things under the sun will come and are coming. Uh, if you put these categories, these, these different things that he mentions to grieve or gather stones or to embrace, if you put all those things on the back of a musical chairs, he said, this time under the sun, you're going to spend time in probably every one of those seats at different times, right? And you don't always get to pick. I would love to be in the, in the chair that just gathers stones all the time. I don't know what that means, but that's, if, I, if I'm scattering or I'm gathering, I want to be in the gathering chair. But he said, it doesn't matter how much you like that chair, you're not going to be in that chair forever. And you're not even going to get to pick the times of when and how long you get to be in that chair. Things are going to happen. Who can avoid sorrow or grief or war indefinitely? The world under the sun is entirely out of our control. I met this dad the, the other night and... Uh, um, he told me he was a, he's in sales, that's kind of his business, and he was in Memphis, and he said it was just another morning, I was in Memphis, and called my, called my boss, called my direct report, just gave him my, my recent sales numbers, and he said, my boss, my direct report said, well, these don't meet, meet our standards, you're not meeting our quota, you'll receive your termination letter in the mail this week, go ahead and pack up your stuff, you're done, click. We don't get to pick the chairs that are coming they just come. We dance to a tune or many tunes that are out of our control, that, that are not of our choosing or that are not of our making, and that's unsettling, isn't it? It's unsettling also this, this time under the sun um, because the things that we pursue in this space have no permanence. Uh, the one thing that is sure, the one thing that never changes is that everything changes, right? Just wait a little while, and it will change. You're, you're, having a, you're having a rough time right now. You're having a bad time. Just wait. It'll change. 
Are you having a good time right now? Having a great time right now? Okay. Just wait. It will change. Right? Some of you who have been around the block a few more times than me, is this truth? Yeah, and it's unsettling though, isn't it? Because I want to... You know, it's almost like you will, you're born, you'll have a bunch of good stuff, you'll have a bunch of bad stuff, and then, you're di- then you'll die. Go in peace. You know, like, kind of depressing, you know, and the things that you're going to really work and cling to, they're not going to last. And then he goes on. There aren't, a, there aren't a whole lot of bright spots in Ecclesiastes, but you have verse 11, and so maybe you should highlight this one, put a smiley face next to it. Verse 11 is pretty powerful. He says, you know, we're going to have all this trouble under the sun, yet God has made everything, what's the word? Yeah, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Beautiful. Like those bubbles. That vapor. It may be meaningless. It may be temporary. But there's something beautiful to behold. That thing we're caught up in, this game of musical chairs, this this kaleidoscopic movement of time, even though we can't control it and we don't always understand it, we don't even always like it. But the fact that it works and moves at all, that we are all, you know, six billion of us on this giant floating ball in space, and, and how are we not getting flung off? And tell me, how do your eyes really work? Do you, you really understand how this happens? And even in this world, there is incredible beauty in, in landscapes or the birth of a child. Maybe you've had that moment when things just kind of work out, not in a way that you could have foreseen or could have planned, and you just kind of have this, huh, moment. You know that moment? It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And it's, it's this almost this sense, uh, and, and I love what he puts down there at the bottom of the verse, but, but people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. What he says is, is, is every now and then we get, we get the tiniest, faintest little glimpses of how beautiful it is, but mostly we can't see. Mostly we are, we are desperately and possibly nearsighted, like inching our way along some great tapestry or fresco in the attempt to take it all in, but we just can't, Right? Like you start trying, they're like, oh, this, I see how this, and then you, you just can't, you get lost in trying to put all the, all the pieces together. And then to make our, our dissatisfaction worse, the teacher tells us that God has planted in our hearts eternity. What does that mean? The word eternity in, uh, in the Hebrew is ha-olam, And if we live in a created world under the sun, if we lived in this kind of space, marked by beginning and end, the world that exists in time, ha-olam is everything else outside of that. Are you with me? Ha-olam doesn't just mean forever. It doesn't mean all of that space in time. Ha-olam is something that exists outside of time. It is not created. It is ageless. It is timeless. Ha-olam does not exist under 
the Son. In Ha'olam, we find, uh, uh, actually we find one of the names of God. Abraham, in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 21, verse 33, he, he speaks of God, he calls God, you know, some, maybe some of you have done the, the word studies of the names of God. Uh, El Olam is what Abraham calls God. It is everlasting God. I love this quote from Alexander McLaren, who, who talks about this everlasting God. He describes it. He says, El Olam is unchanged and unchangeable. El Olam is in, an inexhaustible being who spins and is unspent. El Olam gives and, and is none the poorer. El Olam works and is never wearied. El Olam is the one who lives and with no tendency to death in his life. El Olam is the one who flames with no tendency to extinction in the blaze. God, who is outside of time, God, who is El Olam, has planted in us who live under the sun, who live in time, something else. God who is outside of time has planted in us who live in time something ageless, something timeless, something uncreated. He has planted ha'olam, eternity, in your heart. Strange thing is, You've all experienced Ha'olam. We all have. We can't help but have. Um, have you ever had that experience where some moments seem to last longer than they should? Do you have moments that, that exist kind of, maybe you're thinking, this sermon? Um, <laughs> some moments seem to last longer um, Hospital, uh, hospital time is long time, isn't it? When you're waiting for uh, a test results, these moments, um, they, they haven't changed, but they seem to have, right? They seem to have slowed down somehow. And then we also have moments that, that last much, much shorter. Um, vacation in Hawaii, you know, it's never long enough. It's over like that. Um, people on these, these great experiences of joy or, or happiness, um, they'll, they'll come back and say, where's the time gone? Time just flies by. But if we go even deeper, there's, there's, there's something deeper that has been planted in our heart. And, and the question is, is time connected to truth? Is, is, is there a temporal component to sincerity or compassion? What about love? Do you have those friendships that are uh, that that somehow function and exist independent of time? So I've got some friends that that I don't see on a regular basis. I don't I don't even talk to on a regular basis, and and great vast amounts of time and space separate us. But when we're back together, it's like we never left. Have you had that experience? 
You can pick up right where you left off. Doesn't matter how long you've been apart. Um, ha alum. I, I went on my first um, a daddy-daughter dance this past Friday night. I uh, had never, this was this is my daughter's first, I, I, I don't know if we've had dates before, I guess we have, um, but kind of her first dance, and, and I took her, and we were in this room, and I wore a suit, I know it's hard for you to believe, and um, she dressed up, and uh, we were in the, the school gymnasium, and, uh, and this was really hard for me, because I grew up Church of Christ, uh, and uh, so Church of Christ dancing, that's how you get pregnant, so you don't dance, um, <laughs> But, but we got past that. We got past that. And uh, man, it was quite an experience. Uh, and I don't dance. I'm no good at this at all. But next to some of those dads, I was, I was all pro. Um, and it was just kind of free and fun. And uh, uh, it was really entertaining, um, almost completely entertaining until the DJ said, all right, all right, daughters, teach your dads how to whip and nay-nay. Um, which that was, that was just felt weird and wrong. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, at this daddy daughter dance, I, I, I held on to my daughter as, as we're dancing, um, kind of first date, first dance. And, and I just thought thinking about this teaching and everything, I just thought like, um, the love I feel for her right now, at this moment, will it ever change? And the answer is, I don't think so. Maybe it'll get stronger. It's not going anywhere. Does your love for your children lessen as you get older, as they get older? Is the love you have for your children dependent on them making all the right choices? Um, does love ever get old? Is love, uh, does, does love wrinkle or, or get tired? Some of us have loved ones who, who aren't with us anymore. And the fact that they aren't in time with us anymore, does that, does that mean that our love for them has changed or diminished? No, love is ha-olam, right? You kind of exist in this whole other place. In time, in these few moments under the sun, between birth and death, in the, in the musical chairs, in the temporary existence we lead, God has planted in us a glimpse of eternity. In every human heart, He has planted eternity. C.S. Lewis had this great quote um, from in Mere Christianity. He said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Of all the creatures in the world, we humans are unique. Not only has God planted ha-olam in our hearts, but he's giving us this, this incredible way of 
of stepping back. Even right now, we can step out of time. We can, we can step back and, and kind of take this big look at time and how it's progressed and how it's changed. We can, we can, we can pull our head above the surface to see our past and, and to also to think about our, our future. And even though our, our, our vision is limited, we have the capacity to think about time in, in these kind of ways um, to, to view life differently, to, to, to see it differently. And when we can, when we, when we can pull our head out of time a little bit, when we can see beyond the boundaries, when we get a glimpse of the eternal, it changes us, right? When you start to think about that thing that is out of time, it changes how we live in time. It gives us a whole new perspective of what's important, right? We talked about that last week. Some of our senior adults here, they might have a thing or two to say to me about what's really important. What's really important, that I'm really successful in work or that I spend more time with family? What would they say? See, they have this perspective on time that's different and what's how, uh, how it shapes us and changes us. And so in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, I want to kind of give you this in conclusion. So the great teacher, the master teacher, says this. So I concluded there is nothing better. Nothing. Not um, chocolate or hot tubs or, I don't know, those little Valentine hearts. There is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves in this space. And people should eat and drink and enjoy this space, right? For these are gifts from God. Do you see that? This moment, this breath is a gift. And the master teacher draws us out of time so that we can see that the moments we have in time are an incredible gift. And when we see that, there is only one rational response, and that is... To uh, Ecclesiastes, we'll use the words fear God, but, but really what it means is to revere God. You see how important these moments are and how, how valuable they are and that they're a gift from God. There's only one response, and that is to revere Him. And that would reorient our life towards Him. We would value these moments these precious bubble, vapor-filled moments. Now, to move to Jesus. The valuing of that life, seeing each moment as a gift, understanding that Ha'olam has been planted in our hearts. Um, isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden when uh, God created Adam and Eve? They were built for how long? Forever, Right? They got to eat at this great tree of life, and the, they were their purpose, their design, their build was to be for 
forever, ha'olam, with God, forever. They existed out of time, out of decay and fear and worry. But sin stole that from us, right? And Jesus comes. And the realm, the world, the life Jesus came to introduce us to. The Old Testament in Hebrew calls it ha'olam, but in Greek it's, it's aeon or aeon zoe. It is the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't talk about um, ha'olam. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. Aeon zoe, he talks about eternal life. Are you with me? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus came to introduce us to the realm that is not subject to the whims of time. He said, even in this space, you can have a whole other life. Even in this space from, you know, between the breaths, there is this whole other life that has already been planted in you. Are you, are you with me? Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to remind us of, of what God planted in Adam and Eve when he formed them in the garden. Remind them that this incredible gift of God has been stolen from us. He has come to give us eternal life. So in just a moment, we're going to take a, enter into a time of communion. And we have, if you're new with us, we have three tables set up around the room. We, we, this is kind of important for us. It's something we do every week. Uh, on the tables, you'll find the, the, the bread, which represents the, the broken body of Jesus Christ. And you'll also find the cup, which re represents his blood that was poured out for us. And I invite you, as you enter into this time of communion, to tap into that thing in you that is not found in time. To open yourself to what God has planted in you to the life, to the heart that Jesus invites us to. That's open again to us because of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, your teaching. And um, uh, I thank you for Ecclesiastes, the way that, that you use the, the writer, the master teacher, to kind of peel bears, layers back and help us to see things differently. Father God, give us... Uh, Give us eyes and awareness of the eternal, even now, even here in this place. Even today, Father God, as our, as our whole world and culture celebrates love, but God, we know where love is, and we know what love is because of your son Jesus, because of, of the sacrifice you made by laying him down for us. Father God, help us to see that you are love. And that wherever real love exists, wherever true and selfless and faithful love, like we read out of 1 Corinthians 13, wherever that kind of love happens, God, you are. And, and in that place are the seeds of eternity. So, Father God, help us to embrace the kind of life that Jesus said was possible, that, that's, that is out of time, but also here now in time with us. Father God, these, these teachings are, are a mystery. 
We need you to, your spirit to move and bring clarity to us, to draw things out of us. Maybe we're having a hard time uh, with resentment or, or seeing these moments as a gift. Maybe we're stuck in one of those difficult places. Father God, help us to, to see and perceive and to think about our life differently, to think about our life in, in the lens of eternity, the lens of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for us and what is available to us. Father God, we love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says...